So Mythbusters, if you are here to get a yes or no answer to your question, you are in the wrong place. Because we're not here to answer questions, really, okay? Now, okay, now we just told you right there on the video, right? You got a card right there, you got a question, write it down. Please don't refrain from writing a question down and dropping it in the offering bag this morning or on the, on the box out at the information desk because I say this, but because it's still good to ask questions, but understand this, we're not here to answer questions because a lot of times we're asking the wrong questions, you know, think about think about in, in a court case and uh, how you know the person on the on the stand who is giving testimony, the witness that is there. If the lawyer does not know how to ask the right questions, the truth's not coming out. The truth can stay hidden. In the same way, if we're not asking the right questions, the truth can stay hidden to us. So if we get too focused on but you didn't answer my question. Okay, because I'm really setting you up a little bit here because I, I think some of you are going to think, that's not the question I answered, Pastor. You, you know, you didn't answer my question. Okay, here's what I'm saying is, if we just stick to your question, we're not going to get to all the truth. We need all the truth, okay? And, and here's the thing, is, is God is amazing. And there is no way our little, you know, pea-sized brains and you know in relationship to who God is there's no way we can fathom just the questions to get to the truth so questions are just a start all right we got to go a lot deeper than just the questions so you're not going to get a whole lot of yes or no answers out of me ever I mean a lot of you know that already right you don't get a whole lot of yes or no especially you get into some of these things because God is so much deeper than yes or no because when we're asking we're not asking deep enough okay <laughs> so let me let me take you to uh, just a few verses of Scripture in the book of Timothy. Just kind of set this series up just a little bit. This is the first one today. So this is set this up a little bit. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. Now this is uh, the Apostle Paul who is writing to uh, a pastor, Timothy. That uh, was one of his that he was mentoring and bringing up. And he says, Timothy, don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. Now, some of you say it, well, then what are we doing here talking about this? Now, he said, don't waste endless time, okay? So we're not going to do this forever, all right? Uh, These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a faith in God anyway. So we're not going to waste our time, all right? We're not going to just discuss things that don't matter, all right? And then let's go on also in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7 have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Have nothing to do with them. Here's the reason I wanted to include this one. Because there are people that, regardless of what the truth is, they are still going to believe their favorite myths. I mean, I know people like that. People that I would present the Scripture to and say, well, I know that's what God says, but this is what I believe. Okay, there may be people who believe that, But as for us, come on, Christians, as for us, the church, if God says this, we can't hold on to this. Okay, so we got to let go of what sounds good, feels good, what our grandmothers used to tell us all the time and all the time and all the time, everything we've ever, if if it doesn't line up with Scripture, because Scripture is the test of everything, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then we have to reject it. So don't, don't have anything to do with those godless myths. In 2 Timothy now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Have nothing to do with these. Okay, so here again, so, what, then, Pastor, why 
Are we talking about these things? Because these things can just breed quarrels, okay? Let me take you to these last few verses of Scripture right here, and I'll tell you why. Because often these questions, like something I want to be presenting to you today and next week and the ones that you're going to drop in the box on the information desk outside, these questions present to us a season, a moment to answer to, to bring, uh, let me read the scripture to you, Second, Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Uh, let me read this before, before I blow all of it. Preach the word, Paul is telling Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, uh, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So this is the season when people are asking questions. And I've heard several of you talking about, you know, this movie Noah. Okay, now I'll probably get a question on Noah uh, because I mentioned this. But, but, but how it's just, you know, they just made this movie and it is just so far away from Scripture. Yet somebody said, but look what's happening. At least people are asking questions now. And, and so this is what Paul is saying. And this is what I'm saying to you. One of the reasons we do this is this is a season. We got a moment here. People are asking questions. You've asked a question. This is my moment to preach, to correct the things that maybe we kind of get in our heads and our hearts and they don't really line up with scriptures to even rebuke he says yes but more than anything to encourage let's go beyond the understandings of our little finite minds to ask these little bitty questions that cannot in any way get us to the truth of god let's go beyond that let me encourage you to to think deeper to 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 do everything you can to understand everything god wants you to understand to believe to be to grasp everything that he is. Okay, so let's begin with the first thing here. And uh, this is one of my favorites, okay, because this is one that just continues to come up over and over and over. And it is situational truth, or that truth is situational. And, and we're really speaking here probably mostly about moral truth, that morality is a situational thing. You know, what morality is to you is not morality to me. What morality is today might not be morality tomorrow. That's the reason the, the, the world that you and I live in think that truth is situational because to them, truth is ever-changing. I mean, they're just changing it all along. And, I, you know, and if we just think about, just take this one area, just theology. I mean, in theology, we've got, you know, we've got universalism today. That any religion, you know, is okay. You know, we've got universalism here. And if you think of universalism, then there's polytheism, you know. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you worship a lot of gods, but you believe it's okay to worship a lot of gods. And then you can break that one down into hard, uh, into, into hard polytheism and soft polytheism. Soft polytheism, it, it, means that, it, it means that, you know, all these people out here who are worshiping different gods, it's really different manifestations of the same God, you know, and, and so they're just all worshiping. So that's the soft polytheism. But the hard polytheism is, is that if you're worshiping a different God than I am, that is a distinct and different God. So there are multitudes of gods out there. I mean, just go home and Google this stuff and you will have uh, websites and articles and blogs just, just, just over and over and over. So many of them because there's so much of this out there. There is, there is so much uh, misunderstanding. I was reading a guy's this week, uh, an article about, about his particular religion, and it's very polytheistic, meaning, you know, 
believing in a whole lot of gods. And not that he really worshiped a lot, but just, he just believed it all. It's okay for everybody to worship whatever god they want to. Really kind of leaning a lot toward universalism. And then he went on to say, but in our movement, we don't all agree on the same thing. So we don't, we don't even all believe the exact same thing about who God is and about all this and all that and all that. And, all that. and I'm thinking, you know, and as he went on and he started, I'm thinking, this guy's making it up as he's typing. That's what's happening today, is people are making up religion as they're sitting and thinking, as they're going through their life. Okay, think about it this way. You know, your college textbook, for those of you in college, your college textbook that you're using today is not the same college textbook that your granddad used, is it? You know, because the world sees things always changing. Now, uh, now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't update our textbooks, but when you look at the differences that are in them and the difference, and I'm not talking about just, I'm not talking about math, obviously, right? Because two plus two is still four, right? It, yeah, they didn't change it, did they, since I got out of school? Two plus two is still four. Okay, but, but everything else is, oh, it's up for grabs. And somebody else writes a book, and you can, man, you can throw stuff out. I mean, you, you can even change history if you want to. Everything changed. Here's, here's the thing. Get this, and especially those of you who are in, in school, in college, you need to understand this. There is one truth that has never changed and never will. Textbooks will be rewritten. History books will be rewritten. But there is a book that has never changed. And some people, some people find a problem with that and say, but this thing is it's still the same. Yes, it's still the same. I mean, you know, you might think, well, that, 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 that doesn't do anything for me. It ought to do something for you. There is something of substance, of foundation still in this world. I mean, don't we need some foundation? I mean, if you're a carpenter, you are, you're pretty glad that two plus two is still four. You know, I, I mean, you know, if they start changing the rules on you tomorrow, you know, go, you know, go a little deeper. If you, you're an engineer and you've gone through all this trouble of learning engineering and you get out of school and all of a sudden they, they start changing the rules of mathematics and two plus two is not four anymore and you spend all this time in college, you know, getting your engineer, you got problems. There, there is a foundation that has to be there. See, here's one of the things that, that people believe about this, uh, uh, you know, about this just situational truth. A lot of them call it personal truth, that what is truth for you is not truth for me. What is truth for you is not truth for her. What's truth for her is not truth for him. We all have our own truth. But then when you listen to them describe it, now I'm going to make this really simple and silly, okay, but so you'll get it. But when you listen to them, this is, this is really what it comes down to. The best ice cream flavor there is in the world, that truth to you is different than that truth to me. Because to you, it's vanilla, and to me, it's chocolate. And to you, it's Rocky Road, and to you, it's butter pecan, and to you, it's something else, cookie dough ice cream or whatever, you know. That's, that's not truth. That's preference. Get that. Here's the whole thing. Here's what we do with situational truth. We are merely changing preferences. Truth doesn't change because vanilla is still vanilla. And chocolate is still chocolate. Oh, yeah, you can change the mix and the ingredients a little bit and those kinds of things. But that's what is still truth. And here's the crazy thing is, is because what, what people do is, is they will say, yeah, there are universal truths. They won't call them moral absolutes. Universal truths like two plus two is four. But a universal truth is exactly what we're talking about. There is a foundational, universal, moral, absolute truth that always has been, 
It has never needed rewriting. It has never needed changing. It has never needed fixing. Oh, wait a minute. This part doesn't work anymore, and let's fix it. A lot of people are trying to do that today, but it has never needed fixing. And let me take you to the, to, to the Scripture and where, where Jesus said, and he gave us two absolute moral truths, okay? He says, these are the top two. And it's in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus says, love the Lord, with the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself, and the law and the pro- all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He said, these are the two big ones. And these are absolute. You know, pretty much the rest of the Bible is teaching us how to do these two things. That's what Jesus is saying. That these are the two big ones, and everything else in the Bible is just teaching us how to live that way. Th- through, through teachings, you know, through parables, through examples and stories that we read, teaching us how to do these two things, to love, honor, and respect God, and to also care about one another. But watch this. Just about everybody in this world that lives believes in these two truths. Now, I know there's some atheists that would say, oh, no. there, there are not many real, true, 100% atheists. Most of them are agnostics and just call themselves atheists. But most everyone in this world believes those two truths. They believe that there is some being up there, and they, he better be honored or respected because he might get mad at us come down here. I mean, if you don't believe that you ought to love him, you believe that. And you also believe that you should take care of one another. Because if you think back through history about the, uh, about the uh, other governments or times or, or kingdoms that have existed, and we examine those and we say they're good or bad based on what things? Basically how they treated one another. You see, we've, we've got these two and they're in us, and it doesn't matter whether you've ever heard these words of Jesus. Every person pretty much in this world has these two in us. You know why? Because God ingrained them in us because we were created in his image. There is absolute moral truth in this world still today and it doesn't change and if you want more if you want more discussion starts the argument I'll be glad to discuss this with you but there is there's nothing else and 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 when you tried when you try to build on on something except a foundation of that you're like a carpenter standing on a ladder looking at a looking at a new tape measure that does not have two and four on it trying to figure that that's the way your life is when you're trying to live based on situational truth. Now let me throw another one in here that's really, really close to this. And I, I, I just, we did a Mythbuster series last year on the, the afterlife and, and you know, end times a little bit. And I, I, it was in there also. And I hate to repeat, but at the same time, I gotta say this one to you, okay? You gotta get this because there's so much of this out here is that there are many ways, many paths to the afterlife, to heaven, to being with God. I don't wanna spend a lot of time here because like I said, I just, I just talked about this in the last series, and you can find it on, you know, you can find it on, uh, on the iTunes, the uh, podcast. I don't want to say a lot here, but, but I got to just say this one. Hear me, because I know everybody's not going to go back and listen to this. Hear me. It's being said out there. There's many paths. You know, that'd be wonderful and great. We can just all take whatever path we want to. It doesn't work that way in anything else in life. Why do we think it's going to work like that in eternity? I mean, you know, you couldn't just get on the road and head in any direction and end up here today. I mean, you know, it doesn't work that way in any other part of life. You don't show up at school and decide, I think I'm going to take this course today, you know, and, and, and hope that, you know, you're going to grow up to be a doctor, <laughs> you know. It doesn't work. Any, why do we believe it works that way? Now, let me tell you something that will scare some of you to death that are, uh, you know, my age or close to it or maybe older, and you think we still live 
in a Christian country, a one nation truly under God, believing in him. You don't just go on, because I, I did this not too long ago, probably about six months ago, we were, we were working on an emphasis for prayer. And, and, uh, and, and I, I, I Googled just prayer thoughts or prayer quotes. And as I started looking through them, I was looking for some, some quotes, some stuff maybe I haven't read before, maybe somebody's written something, you know, I was looking for, and you know what? I was having to weed through. There were half of what came up just with a Google search were from Islam or the Quran. You know, and, and this world is beginning to embrace not just that religion, but many religions. And if you went on there and looked, it, would, it literally would scare some of you to death. So that's why I say you need to go home and do it. Because some of you need to get scared to death and start saying, wait a minute, everything does not lead to the same place. It doesn't do it. And listen, as Christians, you know, I'm speaking to Christians today right here about this. Here's what we have, we have to hang tight to the Word of God. Anything else is a myth, okay? If, if, it, if the Word of God doesn't support it, it's a myth, and we ha can have nothing to do with it. That's the scriptures that I read to you from Timothy just a few moments ago. And Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that he was the way, he was the truth, he was the life. And you cannot get to the Father except through him. You might be able to figure out how to have a good life. You might be able to get through school. You might have great relationships. You might find ways to do a whole lot of things, but you cannot meet the Father, Jesus says, unless I introduce you. It's all through me. And Christians, listen, the myth that says there are many ways, a lot of people are going to believe that, but we have to hold tight to what the Word of God says. And as a Christian, this, 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 is the, this is the man, this is the God that I'm following. He says that. And so, no, there are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to know, G, to know the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ, okay? So now let me take you to, uh, let me take you to a, uh, a question that was, that was handed in this week. From, kind of uh, from last week's sermon, uh, Easter sermon, about, you know, and, and a lot of the sermon last week, it, you know, Judas was involved in it. So it got people to think, and I actually got several texts from one group that was sitting around talking about it this past week. And so they finally just sent me the question, is Judas in hell? Okay, y'all want to vote right now? Uh, all, all the yeses raise it. No, don't do it. But I mean, you, you want to vote right now? Is Judas in hell? So, so let me answer this for you, okay? Now here's one of those that I'm, I'm, I might make you, uh, might make you, might irritate you just a little bit talking about this one, all right? is Judas in hell. Because suicide, okay, I, I'm assuming that's the great sin, right, that we're thinking about. Suicide is considered murder. And murder, you know, is forbidden under the law before Jesus came and also was forbidden by Jesus. Okay, so suicide is doing that. And Oh, except in the cases, except in the cases of those with mental issues that cause them not to be rational at that critical moment. Okay, so God's got to forgive them, right? Which, if you think about it, you know, anyone who commits suicide has to be dealing with severe mental issues, you know? That's the traditional argument. I mean, anybody ever heard that before? I mean, almost verbatim, word to word. Word, 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 is, there it is. is. That's the argument about why people who commit suicide 
are in hell today because of all, except, wait a minute, maybe they're not because they probably got mental issues and they had to be a battle. And, and listen, here's the problem with this. Where's the scripture? This is rationalization. This is like figuring out in my mind. This is what I think has happened. And said, so that's the problem where we get into with just discussions that are outside of Scripture. We, we got to look for some truth here. And you and I, we don't know anything about the afterlife except what the Word of God tells us. So it's kind of ridiculous for us to be arguing or discussing this without having some scriptural basis. So let's back up all the way to the Old Testament. Tell me about Samson. Y'all know Samson? How many of y'all think Samson? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you think Samson's in in hell tonight. I mean, most of us don't today. Most of us don't think Samson's in hell. Man, Samson was God's judge. Yes, he messed up, but in the end, he came back to God and he prayed and he, and he said, oh God, avenge me. Yeah, he said, avenge me. Let's go on to uh, show our scriptures there about Samson and, and King Saul. Uh, it's Judges chapter 16, verse 30. He says in the very last moment, he says, God, avenge me. Let me have my strength again. And in, and in his last final act, he commits suicide by tearing the building down on top of him and killing more of his enemy than ever before. But most people say, yeah, but Samson's in heaven because he did that for God. So I guess uh, being a hero for God is an exception to the suicide rule that suicide is murder, right? Or maybe it's the, if you're in war and you do that, then it is, isn't it? Uh, you know, or maybe King Saul. Do you know King Saul committed suicide? You know, the king, the king that was king right before David? He committed suicide. He was in battle, a battle he should not have been in in the first place. His, his sons were all being killed, and, and, and he was shot with arrows, and, and, and he knew he was dying, and, and, and uh, the Philistines were coming to catch up with him, and he, and he turned right here. It says he turned to his armor bearer, and he says, look, kill me. Take your sword and, and run me through and kill me because if the, if the enemy gets here, they're going to torture me and then kill me. And the armor bearer, he wouldn't do it. And so Saul set up his own sword and fell on it and killed himself. Is King Saul in hell because he killed himself? Because, you know, actually he was already dying. And, uh, you know, he, he just did it so that he wouldn't be tortured by the enemy. I mean, he was in war. Aren't, aren't the rules different in war? See, here's the thing we do is, is, is we, start, we start laying out the laws and rules, and a lot of times they don't really kind of line up with some of the other things going on. And say, so, wait a minute, now if they are because Judas... Judas actually lived in an Old Testament dispensation time. Jesus hadn't died yet when Judas hung himself. And sometimes it's really easy. We, we see these stories right here and we say, yes, but you know what Samson did? And we kind of, in our spirit, we want to fight for Samson. And we see Saul and say, yeah, but you know, Saul was, and, and he was the king, the very first king of Israel. And, and we kind of fight for, for Saul to be there. But then Judas, oh no, not, not Judas. Not Judas, no. He, he's not, he's not going to be in heaven when I get there. He's, he, there's no way he's going to be a, is, is he going to be a pastor? You say he's going to be, hang on with me here. Let me take you to some scripture here. I think this is uh, uh, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. You've always obeyed. Do this, guys. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. That doesn't mean go work it out however you want to. Figure it out. Now, that's situational truth again, okay? That's not what this means. You get to work out yours, and you get to work out yours. That's not what it means. It means work out. See, I know a lot about working out because y'all talk about it all the time. Work out your salvation. What he's saying is you work your salvation out because it's your salvation, and nobody else is working on it but you. That's what this means. You have a personal salvation to work out, okay? Now hang on with me here, all right? 
Now let me tell you my opinion about whether Judas is in hell or not. I don't know. I just really don't know, okay? But I can tell you what I hope. I hope he's in heaven. Because that's what Jesus hoped. He hoped all along. And the very night that he said, one of you is going to betray me tonight, he also got down on his knees with a pan of water and a towel, and he washed the feet of Jesus, uh, I mean of Judas. Jesus hoped Judas would be in heaven. And maybe Judas took all of it out of God's hands, and yet maybe he's not, but that's what, and if that's what God hoped, then that's what I hope. You see, here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what Judas was dealing with. Because a lot, a lot of times, there's a whole lot more there than maybe we realize. What was Judas's great sin? Suicide? Is that it? Is that it? Is that why we think Judas is in hell? Because he committed suicide? No. Let me tell you, if Judas is in hell today, it's not because he committed suicide, but because he rejected Jesus Christ and his mes- message, his mission, and his mercy. You see, eternity for Judas is the same as eternity for me and you. It's up to how we handle Jesus in our hearts. It's not about did he commit suicide or did he not. If, if, if he ended up in hell, and yes, he committed suicide and all those things. And if he did, okay, he committed suicide. But the reason he committed suicide is because he rejected Jesus. He rejected his, he rejected his mission. He rejected his grace and his mercy. It's not about those things. It's about what he did with Jesus in his heart. I said, some of you say, well, now, somebody getting worried. Okay, now, pastor, you, you're letting somebody off the hook here. Somebody's thinking about suicide. is going to be able to go out and commit suicide because you tell them if they've got my still up in heaven. No, that's not what I'm saying because let me tell you what I'd like to do right now. I wish I could go back in time. Even after Judas had sold Jesus out, and even after Jesus has been, has been arrested and he's standing before the religious councils and, and, and they're slapping him and they're cursing him and they're mocking him, they're laughing at him, and, and Judas, is, Judas is looking at that rope and he's thinking about the tree out, outside. And, and I would like to just be there and say, Judas, hang on just a minute. If you'll give this just about eight or nine more hours, Jesus is about to die and he's going to die for your sin. And everything that you've ever done, even the, even the worst thing that you did this past night when you, when you betrayed him, it can be washed clean by the... I would love to be there in that moment. Hang on, Judas. But it's because of that, because of my faith in the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. To wash away Judas' sin then, it's still, I've still got faith to believe. It's called, see, see I, I don't know what Judas was working out. I don't know what demons he was dealing with. I don't know in those moments from when he started to see how bad this was going to be for Jesus and he realized how bad he had messed up. I don't know what repentance he had gone through. I don't know what prayers he had prayed. I don't know, and then I don't know what demons he was dealing with and the rejection of his family when he went home and told them what he had done. I don't know all of that. So for me to stand up here in front of you and say, Judas has gone to hell today, I'd be, I would be putting myself in jeopardy. And, and listen, I grew up this way. I mean, it's, you know, it seemed like anytime somebody talked about someone passing away, the first thing we'd ask is, well, do you think they went to heaven or not? And this, you know, here's the problem. That's not the right question. The question is not if they made it. The question is, could they have made it? And the question is, do we want them to make it?
And are we doing everything we can for those who are thinking about giving away the precious gift of life? We're doing everything we can to help them see that they too can make it. They don't have to give up like Judas did. That's the real question. That's the real question. And, and, and so this, this kind of leads in real well to this last, last fourth little thing right here. And it is this. It, is there's kind of a little bit, I guess, a myth of how we pray sometimes. Sometimes we lead people to pray. Oh, we'll just tell somebody on the street when they ask us about, you know, Jesus and everything. Just invite Jesus into your heart. Ever heard that one? Just invite Jesus into your heart. Give me scripture. It's not really there, but it is a little bit. It probably comes from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I'm gonna, I'll come in. But he doesn't say, that's it. He says, I will come in, I will eat with him, and he will eat with me. Okay? He didn't say, I'm going to come in and have a cup of coffee and go home. He said, I'm going to eat with him, and he's going to eat with me. And we all know what that means, right? You know, when, when somebody says, I'm going to eat with you, what is that? I mean, it's not about the food, is it? I mean, very few times we get together, is it really about the food? No, it's not about the food. And this is the same thing back in the time when Jesus lived. He's saying the same thing that you and I would be saying today if we were saying, let's go have, let's go have lunch together. We wouldn't be talking about the food. That's not, what, that's not what the invitation is. The invitation is, let's do life together. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, I'm standing here at the door and I'm knocking on your life and I'm saying, come on, let's do life together. I've already died for your sin. I took stripes on my back for your healing. And if you, you know, not to preach last week's sermon all over again, but all of those things he did for those people in the last 24 hours of his life, He's done those things for me and for you also. And so here today, again, he is standing at the door. Somebody, many of you today, and he's knocking, and Christians too, and not just a salvation message, but he's knocking and saying, here I am. Let's do life together. Your marriage is in a mess? Come on, let's do it together. Let's make it work. Your finances are in a mess? Come on, Jesus said, I'm standing here. Come on, let's do life together. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a house visit. He's talking about doing life together. And everything you need, he has already provided for. Everything. You see, it's not just invite Jesus in. Let me, let me just draw your attention. There's too many scriptures to tell you. But in the book of John, now four people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wrote their eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus Christ, things they saw him do, things they heard him say, and things that happened all around him. Four guys. One of them was John. And John, his whole point of what, when he's writing the story, he can't write everything. None of them could write everything. Seems like his whole point of writing the story is to help us understand how to receive salvation. And 98 times, you know what he says? 98 times, you know what he tells us to do? Believe. Believe. That's what opening the door and asking Jesus to come in is. It is believing. And that word believe doesn't mean, okay, yeah, I believe. I mean, there's a lot of hit. No, no, no. It means as in a trusting way to trust because he has died for your sin, because he has provided all the things that you need. He has provided wholeness for your marriages. Wish I could 
have some people stand up right now and say, yeah, he did it for us because it's happened right here in this congregation. He's provided direction for those who are just absolutely lost and don't know what to do next in their life. Those of their lives are just totally torn apart. They're embattled and beginning to get embittered. And yet God brings peace, direction, wisdom, hope, a future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. He has already dreamed an awesome future for you. And so he stands at the door and knocks. Not just, let me be your Savior. Let me do life with you. Let me help you with every struggle that you have. Let me help you with every problem that you face. Let me help you with every question that you, that you ask. Your pastor might not answer them all the way you want them, but he can help you receive the answer that you need to understand what it is that God wants to do in your life. Can I ask you to stand with me, please?